The Rebrand Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. Welcome to the Rebrand Podcast, and I Hear Everything production. This podcast tells the stories of world-changing marketing campaigns as told by the people who build them. In each episode, you'll hear an earful of brilliance from a marketer who has brought an iconic brand to life. Ready to hear the secrets and untold stories behind the brands you love? Then sit back, relax, and get ready for the rebrand. Here's the host of the Rebrand Podcast, the CEO of OH Partners, Scott Harkey. All right. Uh, welcome to the Rebrand Podcast, where we'll tell the untold stories of world-changing brand campaigns as told by marketers who've built them. I'm your host and founder of the Harkey Group, Scott Harkey. Today, we're going to discuss and hear how one innovative chain of restaurants broke through noise with a direct mail prospecting campaign. I haven't heard a lot about direct mail campaigns, so I think it's going to be really interesting. Joining us is Dave Fink, who's the founder and CEO of Posty, which is a marketing technology that's transformed direct mail by enabling it to perform like a digital channel. In doing so, Posty has unleashed the medium's potential and locked growth for its advertisers, delivering an average campaign return on ad spend of 1,382%. So I've heard direct mail come up in a lot more conversations with some of my clients and uh, I'm excited to really dive into direct mail. I, I love personalized direct mail. There's just a lot to like about direct mail, especially nowadays. So let's dive into it. So Dave and I today are going to again discuss how direct mail helped Buca de Beppo sing happy birthday 20,000 times. All right, here's my conversation with Dave Fink, the founder and CEO of Posty. Hey, what's up, man? How you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? Oh, doing so well. All right. So you've, and we don't have a ton of ad tech companies on this podcast, but this definitely caught my eye. Number one, a close friend of mine's father actually started Buca de Beppo. So the, the, the Micatrado family, really good friends of mine. They, they then got into raising canes. So I've heard a lot of fun Buca de Beppo stories. Uh, obviously a historic Italian chain restaurant. And I kind of teased it earlier, but I've heard a lot more discussion about direct mail. I've certainly am a believer in direct mail at times for the right tactic and for the right client. So I want to hear a little bit about, first of all, what Posty does. And then let's dive into this campaign and hear about kind of the execution. And then we definitely need to talk about a 1300% return on ad spend as well. <laughs> so let's get into maybe, you know, how you got into the technology and your company and, and kind of what it does to start. For sure. So my partner, Jonathan Nettenrup and I really founded the company out of a need that we as marketers had. So I've been in the consumer internet space on the marketing um, technology and on the um, direct consumer brand building side for uh, going on you know, almost 25 years at this point. And I had the luxury of kind of growing up in an era where technology was just rapidly evolving and new digital channels were coming online, it seemed like left and right. And the ability to, to tell our stories and, and be extremely targeted with who we're engaging and, and measuring results and being able to move really quickly through kind of an iterative process, it made us all probably look a lot smarter than we, we actually were. 
but it also allowed brands to build, you know, to, to grow faster and more efficiently than ever before. You know, before the, the internet and more quantitative channels, it was about brand building. And that took lots of time and effort. And it was just a much slower, less controlled way to grow. So for us, what happened is, um, and I think probably many of the brands listening to your show felt had gone through the same um, kind of benefit and excitement and then pain point, which was platforms like YouTube and, and Facebook. Certainly Google became a part of our lexicon. And we became really dependent on these test and optimization, you know, measurable, rapid growth channels. And for a number of years, that was great. We were really efficient with how we allocated our media budgets and we, we were as efficient as ever. We started noticing the pain really in Facebook. I mean, Facebook took over the world for a long time. And back in about 2016, the brands that we were working with were just feeling the pressure of, of ad rates going up on social platforms and more ad dollars being shifted from traditional channels into social. And it became harder and harder to continue to rely on those channels solely to grow. And so we were looking for other you know, really digital channels that could be run efficiently and scalably and programmatically. And there really wasn't anything big and opportunistic that was you know, kind of budding at that time. And so we spent more time looking offline. And in offline... You know, direct mail is a monstrous channel. It's, it's, it's monstrous from its scale. Anybody with a physical address is reachable. There is a wealth of data, both first party and third party, that can be used for targeting that rivals anything you can do online. And in a world where most brands have some relationship with their consumers, it is measurable. And so you put those three things together, it doesn't look any different than a digital channel. And so for us, we just looked and said, hey, can we build technology to, uh, to make this channel behave more quantitatively, more iteratively, more efficient, and make it a, you know, a, a rival component to our media mix? That was really the authentic path that um, we took to get here. So what is exactly, what does Post exactly do? I, it makes total sense, first of all. And I love how you're thinking of it just as another digital channel. And when you put the KPIs together of how we evaluate digital success, especially in the lower funnel performance side, makes total sense, you know, how similar direct mail is to a lot of other uh, digital platforms and channels that we're using in a marketing mix. So how does the technology work? Do you, is it, are you able to send direct mail based on different consumer profiles and have a little personalization effect to it? Does it have a measurable piece to it based on certain actions? Like, How did you continue to build this for optimization and for personalization like we have with digital? Yeah, so the answer is all the above and a bit more. We think about building technology and tools in three core buckets. One of them is, as you touched on, is targeting. It's, you know, how do we help advertisers leverage what they know about their own customer bases and kind of the addressable audiences that they're looking to engage no differently than they would do it on Trade Desk or mm-hmm. Google Display Network or Instagram. And you know, the second piece is just execution. Right in digital, we just don't think about it, right? We ads get served. We don't have to think about how they're getting served. We think about kind of structuring our campaigns and our creatives and our audiences. So the Posty platform handles all of the production and logistics component of executing direct mail. And then the third part, as you also touched on, is measurement, which 
which is what are the methods to get a clean read on how specific tests within your previous campaigns performed and how do you kind of leverage those insights to scale efforts that are, are driving the KPIs that you're looking to hit and how do you pull back on tactics that are, are, are off. So, you know, that's it's a really kind of 10,000 foot view on it. The nuance, you know, you know, is always kind of a devil's in the details type of thing. But our clients are using Posty for very sophisticated and thoughtful, dynamic targeting audience development. They're using it to be able to rapidly get into market in a channel that, that historically had been a bit slower. You know, we've rapidly accelerated it. And they're using it as their kind of eyes and ears for what performs. And so you put all that together and, and we really kind of think about our, ourselves as you know, the trade desk of, of direct mail, the Facebook ad manager of direct mail. That's awesome. That makes a ton of sense. Now, just from like business questions, are you, are you guys VC or private equity backed or what's your kind of growth plans? I'd love to just cover kind of the business profile, maybe any sort of growth successes you could share. And then I want to dive into this Buca de Beppo campaign. Sure. We're a little bit of both. We raised initial venture when we were first getting started, and that was the opportunity to, to get to market a little bit faster. I think the expectation that was that, like most of the businesses that I had been involved in over the past couple decades, I think we just assumed we'd be raising more venture. But the nature of the business and the people that we put together and the trajectory that we got to pretty quickly allowed us to operate at break even or better on an annualized basis. And so we've done one round of funding. We kind of lived through probably the, the frothiest funding climate in the history of the world and made the counterculture decision not to raise more capital. It just wasn't needed for the business. And we felt like we were it was forcing us to operate very thoughtfully and efficiently. So the DNA of our business is really built on, on being, again, break-even or better, um, using the previous year's profits to reinvest into future technologies and, and hires and just yeah, SGNA. I think yeah, it's hard to predict the future, but we're hoping the history repeats itself and we can continue to get really big, help lots of brands make a tremendous impact in their business, and and maybe never raise again. Um, good it for you. Doesn't happen often, but yeah, no. Good. I love people who have that approach. There's been no secret that, at least for me personally, I've I've created a little bit of a negative perception, at least for me, and and I haven't been shy about those comments about private equity especially in the ad space. I think in a lot of ways, they're ruining it for ad tech and for smaller agencies. Look, private equity is great for a lot of people. And if someone has a great opportunity and needs to go very fast, that's a, a great avenue. And there are some great firms out there. However, buyers beware. My mentors told me for a long time, and I'll never forget how he said this, Todd Davis from LifeLock, he said, it's okay to swim in shark-infested waters, but you have to understand shark-like behavior. So I really, again, and I meet a lot of ad tech all over the place at, at all these major events, you know, Ad Week and Can and all this stuff. So your approach, I think, is the absolute right way to go. Like, grow smart, grow the right way, invest in your own company based on the profits of the company. I don't know. Just, it seems like every ad tech is backed by some sort of venture or PE firm. So it's nice to see just kind of a more methodical approach. Okay, went off on a tangent there about private equity. I couldn't help myself. But let's talk about this Buca de Beppo campaign. How the hell did they say happy birthday 20,000 times? <laughs> I think this case study will help us understand what you guys do and how it's differentiated in the marketplace. Anytime we as marketers can find something in terms of a shortcut that you've spent time building that we can plug and play for campaigns, great. So let's let's hear about it. I'm excited. 
Sure. Well, I think that there were a number of, of smart strategies that that delivered success to that brand in particular. And, and they're no different than many of the brands that, that are on the Posty platform. It, the At a high level... Yeah, just a quick question. Things. I'm going to jump in. Sorry to cut you off. And I normally don't do this. Just for, for form of reference, did you work with the in-house agency? Did you work with an agency? Were they working with like a fishbowl kind of deal, like from an email platform? Like help us understand kind of the early dynamics of the setup and like who you were working with. Yeah. And, and I'll do my best. Um, it's, okay, yeah. You know, we have a fairly big team. So um, yeah, I get the it. Executional details that there are definitely people on my team that could go deeper into the weeds can talk a bit more high level. And, and yeah, yeah, for sure. But we work directly with them. We love agencies, wide range of them. We work with the, the big agency holding companies. We work with um, smaller um, kind of digital native agency shops and help them expand the channels that they're bringing to their clients. And we love working with brands directly. The key is just making sure that we're whoever we're engaging with it, we're all aligned. And um, and by the way, is that you you have to work with all three? And and a lot of people ask me as an agency, like as people are bringing different products to marketplace, they always ask me that same question. I'm like, dude, look, I'm an agency. You have to work direct. You have to work with agencies. You have to work with big agencies, small agencies, digital agencies, in house, direct. All of it. And I, I wouldn't put yourself in any one box. Maybe 10 years ago, like agencies are like, oh, you know, do you work direct with clients or do you just work with agencies? And they had like kind of a chip on their soldier about that. I think that's, that's not as big a case anymore. So I just, a small quick call out there for, for ad tech and people out there. Like it's okay to work directly with clients and say you do and work with agencies at the same time. It's, it's the new world we're in. So sorry to go on up another yeah. tangent. Look, well. I think in, in business in general, like my, my philosophy is um, transparency. doesn't mean yeah. like that, that everyone deserves to have every bit of information and trade secret and whatnot. But I just, we've all got, gotten ourselves into situations throughout our lives where, you know, I'm not saying we were necessarily stretching the truth per se, but we, we were like thinking too much about what is the right answer? What is the answer? Right. That's a great and, way to put it. And so for us, yeah, if there's an agency that's threatened because we also work directly with brands, like then we're not a fit for them. And if there is yeah. you know, a brand that doesn't like that we work with agencies as well, then they're not a fit for us either. We haven't run into it that much. And 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 there's you know, every combination of I think client engagement has happened recently, the biggest retail brands, you know, in the world had been engaged with us in a sales cycle for a year and out of nowhere. And an agency reached out and said, Hey, your information was forwarded to us from this client. And I know that the demand gen team that was working was like, it was a little bit like whiplash. Like, Wait a second. Like we, we've been engaged for like 14 months. We, we didn't had, had no idea there was an agency involved. And then they just like, they caught their breath and they went into a conversation yeah. and then they, they, they back channeled directly to the client to make sure that that was indeed the case. And, and the key was just making sure that everybody was on the same page. And, but to your point, like just quickly, like, be who you are and just be honest. Like, hey, that we work here, we work here, we work there. Like people, it's just so refreshing. Not like, hey, what is the right answer people want to hear? I think that was a great insight. Okay. Enough of that shit. Let's get, let's get into the okay. <laughs> My ADD's kicking in, but. Yeah, but. no worries. So yeah. So, so we're starting to kind of talk about is that direct mail, you know, one of the reasons I fell in love with it is, is, is one of the rare channels that can help you attack all um, levels of the funnel, the marketing funnel. It's an incredibly powerful channel with regards to CRM. I think it's a tool that many advertisers for, for many years have, have been relying on. Um, sometimes you know, they're struggling to even think beyond just CRM. Their idea is like, we want to nurture the customers that we've worked so hard to acquire. And, um, and direct mail is a much higher touch you know, media channel than you know, newsfeed ad or a pre-roll or, or, or whatnot. It just, it just tends to have a more 
emotional connection. Doesn't mean any of these other channels are not valuable. They all are valuable. But one of the unique thing, attributes of direct mail is when you spend the time to design a, a kind of a an appropriate message for your your um, your recipient, and you spend the money to send it through the mail, and it arrives in right now a relatively modest stack of mail at at their their home like that becomes a a, a way to, to have a really personal kind of heavy experience with the customer you know then you go you know a little bit broader out of the funnel and you talk about you know mid funnel stuff things like we all work so hard to drive traffic to our websites our mobile apps and and we all know single digit percentage of of website visitors convert into some revenue generating activity but that first party data is liquid gold those are individuals who are aware of your brand at least a little bit. They've engaged. They've, they've taken time to learn. They clicked on an ad. Something caught their attention. And anything you can do to activate that first-party data in a meaningful way can be an incredibly important part of your funnel. Direct mail can do that because of all of the identity-based data sets. So you can take website visitor audiences and you can convert those into mailable audiences, and you can do that in real time. And then you know the third piece is top funnel prospecting. Yeah, you know, for growth brands, like that's the holy grail, of course. It's how you help me find net new customers that have a high expected lifetime value. And that's really the probably yeah, the, the most quantitative, also most challenging, you know, um, piece of marketing. It's how do you efficiently test the right, you know, messaging and frequency to audiences and how do you leverage insights from what's working and not working to to shape those audiences and get the right messaging to those those right audiences. So direct mail is can be incredibly effective. It requires data and machine learning and tactics and frameworks to be able to, to methodically test and optimize just like on any other channel. And I think that the, the two areas that Buka did remarkably well is one, they leveraged the first party data that they had, which was kind of anniversary dates and birthday dates of their customers in their um, loyalty and rewards program to reactivate them on an annualized basis. And they were able to do it by setting up programmatic campaigns through the Postkey platform. So instead of kind of manually pulling January birthdays and sending everybody an ad sometime in January. Maybe you miss the early January birthdays and you're too early for the late January birthdays. They were able to time their, their campaigns programmatically so that the, that your anniversary date, anniversary of the last time you purchased, that's how we're using the term, or your birthday, the actual date you were, you were born on, is the trigger event for a personalized ad. And to do that through direct mail... I think creates that moment in the in a consumer experience where it's like, oh my goodness, like that's cool, right? Like when you get a birthday card from your dentist, you know. On one hand, you're like, depending on your relationship, maybe it feels a little bit trite. On the other hand, look, they took time and, and spent some money to acknowledge you in a personalized way. So that was that was one piece. Incredibly effective. Highly, highly, highly recommend every brand to think about the first party data, whether it's transaction, whether it's what you know about that customer, birth date, et cetera, and then leverage programmatic um, messaging that, that technology allows for in a lot of different channels. Incorporate DM into that. Really, really effective. The other piece, you know, Buka had all this first-party transaction data through both online ordering and through their, their loyalty program. And if you have audiences that you know behave the way that you want them to, their high lifetime value, their high frequency, whatever the characteristic or attribute of them is, you can then, on many different platforms, but Posty for direct mail enables you to activate lookalike models. So you can start building audiences using deep third-party data, just like you would on Facebook, just like you would on Instagram, to ensure that you're allocating budget only to target those individuals who look like 
these best performing audiences. Those two, you know, two very different tactics working slightly different parts of, of their funnel, both extremely effective. And the last piece that I'll, I'll put on is layering component. Uh, restaurants are have kind of the additional challenge of being having certain geographies that they can market into. You, you know, they you know, most businesses know what kind of radii around their locations. You know, someone will actually drive and kind of engage with their location. And for casual dining businesses that may have hundreds, if not thousands, of locations. Oftentimes, they're working on channels where they're they're doing the best to geotarget, but it's it's imperfect, and so there there's a lot of waste in their budget. But with direct mail, you know the address of every single individual that you're engaging in an audience, and so it's been really exciting to see brands like Buka leverage we call it you know storefront capability, but um, being able to upload their addresses to lat lawns of their locations and identify the right distance around each location. And then any audience can automatically be geofenced within in those campaigns, whether it's a trigger campaign, a prospecting campaign, a CRM campaign. And it helps you just maximize the value that you're getting from your budget. I have so many thoughts here. Uh, <laughs> we got to wrap up. I think people's first party data is not taken seriously enough in terms of customer information people have and used and activated. It's so expensive in the upper funnel awareness and Look, Google and Instagram, you can be targeted, but it's, it's not a secret anymore. It went from 7 billion to like, I don't know, 17 billion over, you know, 7 billion from 17 billion over the last like two years. And it's going to continue to grow, especially if TikTok gets banned, which I think is going to happen, by the way. So to your point, like it's funny, you know, in my career, you know, I started and I've done a ton of hotel and casino database marketing a ton and they are the best in the world and everybody should look at what casinos and hotels and I'm talking the biggest casinos in the world. Wynn Resorts is my client, okay? Virgin Hotels, we help open in the US, open Virgin Hotels Las Vegas. We basically bought a Vegas ad agency who is the best in the world at this shit. And the reason they're the best in the world is they've taken all of their customer information. They know how much they spend, how much they stay, how many times they come and they've literally categorized each of these people and they call them rewards, right? So like MGM rewards, like they know who their top of the top is, they know who their bottom of the bottom is, and they know how to work their way of those folks through the chain of loyalty. And they're trying to push them to get to that next level. And direct mail is the number one way they reach their loyal customers and help push them into different levels. So if you're you know, gold, how do you get to platinum? If you're platinum, how do you get to diamond? And they are so good at this. But to your point, other categories are missing out in a major way, whether that's restaurants or auto or retail or fashion brands or whatever. I guarantee that they are not taking care of customer data and they have insights that they can be using, especially in a direct mail platform, efficiently and effectively for more repeat business. I, as a marketer, a lot of times tell my clients, it's like, look, we can go and acquire new customers, which can be really, really, really fucking expensive, or let's get more out of existing companies and existing customers. So it's kind of the 80-20 rule, like, you know, 80% of your revenue is from like 20% of your clients. So um, how do we get more people into that that bucket, right? Like, especially, you know, in the gambling business, they're great at this. If you're this level, how do we push you up more? And they're great at working that audience because it's just expensive to get new people. So I love what you've built and how you've made something easier for 
not the big category of direct mail brands um, or the really sophisticated Fortune 500 advertisers. They're doing this and have their own system probably built in-house. But for those Fortune 2000 to 5000 or those other challenger brands, they're looking for the shortcuts and they don't have some enterprise systems to help them with this kind of stuff. So I love what you've built. It, it makes sense for, for a ton of people. And I don't know if I'm going too long to recap kind of what I think you're saying, but just again, we're trying to make sure we provide value at all levels to marketers. Sure. Well, well, first of all, I mean, look, you'd be surprised. Um, the, the build up by it conundrum is, is real. We work with Fortune, you know, 50 companies, you know, all the way down to, um, yeah. Their Marketo isn't helping inform those decisions. They're, they're using their data for, for sure. But as far as building direct mail capabilities, it's a specialty and, and it, and it touches, it touches a lot of different worlds, right? From execution and logistics to, to mail tracking and, and measurement. And then certainly all the complex machine learning and structural data engineering that, that goes into. So, uh, and a lot of solutions seems very printing centric. Like a lot of printing companies have built the solution, but it's, it's probably not as tech focused. It's a little more printing product focus from the printing side. This is direct mail because the nature of it being requiring manufacturing complex logistics just to get mail out. The core providers are their their producers. Um, they're yep. not they're not data folks, and and so that was what what we felt was missing. And so the client historically, the brand had to do it all themselves. Um, they yep. could get help producing mail and, and delivering mail, but they couldn't get a whole lot of help thinking about how to integrate the channel with their overall media mix. But I mean, I think you know, kind of wrapping thing, things up because I, I know we are going long here. What you said is absolutely right. You got to know your you got to know your customer. And, you know, I, I remember being a little, you know, a young kid going into a retail location with my mom, like a Nordstrom, and the people in the shoe department knew her. She had been shopping there for 10 years and they knew her size and they knew what her sensibilities were. I remember when the days of voicemail uh, coming home, so I was listening to voicemails and there would be, you know, salespeople that were, you know, saying, hey, Linda, you know, we just got this, you know, this new person that we think you'd like. And think about how spoiled we are in, yep. in the digital era where we have databases and we're, you know, we're tracking um, transactions of POS or on our websites or mobile app. Like all of that data, like, like you, you said, I mean, that, that is liquid gold. And, and because we don't have the ability to have conversations with all of our customers like we used to do when we, you know, it was all retail, we got to think about ways to get to know them and make them feel heard and give them positive personalized experiences. I love it. So here we're going to cliffhanger people because we're going to we're going to have you back tomorrow. But I'm going to say one last thing just to try to make myself sound smart. We'll see if it, it works or not. The average American consumer sees 5,000 plus messages a day, right? And I was saying this two years ago, so maybe it's 7,000 a day. I don't freaking know. I mean, Google says to be successful in ad campaigns, they came out with a study. And this was a couple of years ago. And I, I say this study all the time because it's important. Google said you need to see a message 22 times in digital to be effective during a 30-day campaign period to even really exist in a consumer's mind. It is so freaking crowded out there. So let's think about this. So if the average consumer is seeing between five and 7,000 promotional messages a day, the average American consumer, by the way, how many pieces of mail do you get in your mailbox in non-political years? What? I don't know, five to eight pieces. So shit, I want to be in, in that group. And if you're getting something from even a company you know and, and work with now too, I mean, email open rates are not 11% like they were a year ago, but they're way lower, you probably know. So I think it's definitely a 
a tactic that, you know, might be a little dusty for people that needs to be dusted off and strongly considered just given the amount of online time spent in each of our favorite apps. So I'm gonna, I, I have to clip here and people were, were way over, but I, I want to, so uh, officially that wraps up this episode of the Rebrand Podcast, but we're going to have Dave Fink, founder and CEO of Posty back in this next episode. So again, thank you, Dave, for coming on. In part two of this interview, Dave and I are going to discuss how MeUndies exposed the power of its CRM. So I want to hear about MeUndies. Again, we're, we're going to continue this CRM discussion this database marketing discussion. So come back for our next episode uh, so you can, can hear more about it. But if you'd like to learn more about Dave, you'll find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes or his company website at posty.com. And that's P-O-S-T-I-E.com. Just one link in our show notes I want to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while listening to the podcast, head over to rebrandpod.com. We'll have summaries and episodes and contact information. You can always subscribe to our newsletter. And if you have a great marketing campaign or you're doing some cool marketing shit, we want to hear about it. So apply to be a guest speaker on the Rebrand Podcast. We went from getting like a couple things a week. We're getting like 20, 30 a week. So we're going to have only the best of the best on. So if you think you're the best, let's let's see it. We want to have you on. And that's we're not trying to be braggy or whatever. But um, we just want to have great people on doing cool shit in the marketing industry so we can learn from each other. And our goal here is only to create value, only to add value to marketers out there because we're not learning in traditional school ways anymore. The four Ps or five Ps or the shit, yeah, that, that's done. We're, we're doing real life marketing uh, here. One more humble brag, big thanks to our producer, Benjamin Shapiro, and I hear everything. This last week, we were just voted the number one business podcast on Apple Podcast. Number one, which is insane. We thought we would crack top 25 at some point. But to be number one is incredible. So thank you to those who are listening and promoting us and talking about us. It's weird as a creative to put something out there and not know if it is going to add value to people's lives or people are going to learn and to see that it is and the people have spoken. It's freaking awesome. Number one marketing podcast in the US. And we were the number one business podcast. That won't last. Uh, I'm pretty sure we just had the Rocket Mortgage CMO on. We had a bunch of other breaks and you know our SEO is working. So we're getting a lot of lucky bounces, but we'll freaking take it. So thank you to everybody. You can find us on all the social channels, obviously, at RebrandPod. We're just building that up. Not a lot of people are following there. So it might be easier to follow my personal, at Scott Harkey on Instagram, on, on TikTok, and all the shit. Twitter, SharkyAZ. So please follow me. Reach out if you want to get connected. I, I mean, this is a community of marketers. So we want to continue that going. And again, if you haven't subscribed and you want that marketing brilliance every week, we got it. We come we come to you every day during the work week. So Monday through Friday, there's a new podcast every freaking day. So we want to be in that little loyalty channel where maybe uh, how I built this and maybe, you know, the, the daily. And then it's uh, at Rebrand. And that those those are the podcasts you want to see right in your phone and, and it's there. Okay. Till next time, it's never too late to rebuild, reboot, or rebrand. Thanks everybody for all the support. Appreciate y'all.